It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, hey, welcome to episode six of the H-Dog Pod, the Mark Sanchez edition of the podcast. Mark Sanchez, most infamously remembered, of course, for that butt fumble on Thanksgiving. But he was a better quarterback than that. YouTube that, by the way. That's a classic, classic video of Sanchez. He was a better quarterback than that, though. He went to two AFC title games with the Jets. Yes, the Jets. He brought them to two AFC title games. Unfortunately, history will will remember him basically just for that butt fumble, which was absolutely amazing, of course, but he was more than that. So I I do feel he gets a bit of a bum rap. (laughs) Oh, God. I'll see myself out. I'm sorry. Uh, Very, very excited for this podcast to have on the face of golf in Canada, Bob Weeks. We're going to be talking to him about Canadian Nick Taylor, who won a second PGA Tour event at Pebble Beach last week. Plus, delve into Tiger Woods, expectations for him, whether he'll win a major this year. That would obviously be incredible if he did. And I definitely want to discuss with him the upcoming Survivor season. I DM'd him, brag, and he said, yeah, he did love Survivor, which is amazing because, as I discussed last episode, want to discuss the Survivor Winners at War season that is premiering Wednesday, February, whatever the heck, February 12th is, something like that. Yes, that is February 12th today. And uh, very, very excited to talk to him about that in a few minutes, but before that, just wanted to go over my last weekend ice fishing. I thought there might be some epic stories, some great stuff. Not really. I caught one fish. Everybody pretty much only caught one. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Thankfully, I did not see, as I was telling you about last episode, how I was terrified by mud puppies. Did not see one at all, which was great because that just would have ruined my weekend pretty much. They are so disgusting and gross. Did not see one. But I had a great time, of course, uh, ice fishing. It's always a good time with the boys go, to go up there for the weekend. Lake Nipissing, shout out. Really, really fun. Uh, but uh, it's actually funny. The first day I was there, just for a couple hours, and I took a selfie, and I posted on the social media, thirst trapping everyone, and uh, former TSN anchor and uh, ESPN anchor now, Nabil Kareem said I looked like I'd been on like a weekend, a week-long bender at that point. It did look really pretty funny, that picture. But I wasn't, I barely even had any drinks at all, but for some reason I just looked really, really really tired and uh, the picture did look hilarious. And so speaking of that social media, I set it ablaze, I must say, a little bit of a uh, uh, humble brag on that one. Uh, Thankfully for my good friends in the Jay and Dan show out TSN, I uh, was involved in a video, uh, Sports Syrup, which was uh, quite funny. Uh, Basically it was a sequel to Raisin Dan, if you've seen that one on the Jay and Dan Instagram account or the show. And I just basically guzzled a bunch of syrup, and it went all over me, and it was very, very sticky, very, very funny. And uh, yeah, social media thought that was quite good, as did I, and I was very uh, honored and excited to take a part in that. Okay, I think uh, we should get to our guest, Bob Weeks. I don't want to take up too much time of just me rambling, because he's much more important than me. Talking Tiger Woods, talking Canadian golf, let's go. Bob Weeks. Okay, now welcome on Bob Weeks, the face of golf in Canada and a man who possesses a great short game. Bob has been on a mainstay on TSN and Score Golf for years. He's won countless awards for his work in golf and curling, making him the only person to be named to both the Curling and Golf Hall of Fames in Canada. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Bob. Happy to be here. How's that for an introduction? Yeah, I guess that's pretty good. I don't know. It sounds like I've done a lot. I don't know if I have done all that, but it's, uh, it's, it's nice to hear. Uh, that's, that's great, and uh, we'll get started with this. Uh, Nick Taylor, Canadian, won uh, this last week at Pebble Beach for his second PGA Tour title, uh, his first in six years. How big is that for his career? Well, it's huge on a number of different levels, I think. First off, um, you know, after you've 
gone so long after after not winning, I think you start to doubt yourself a little bit whether you're ever going to get the, the the chance to win again. And um, and to do it at Pebble Beach, sort of an iconic tournament, and to do it against Phil Mickelson uh, with all the crowd and hoopla and stuff that he brings, you know, it's it's um, it's a real boost of confidence for Nick. And I think Nick came out of the amateur ranks as a really a a real top prospect. He was the number one ranked player in the world. He won the Ben Hogan Award as a top collegiate player in the U.S. Uh, he set the a low amateur scoring record, single round scoring record at the U.S. Open. So he had a lot of uh, a lot of baggage to carry with him when he got here, and he won basically on the PGA Tour about his fifth start. So um, I think maybe he started to doubt himself a little bit, and and he worked very hard on his on his uh, on his game, but also on his mental approach to the sport. And I think that made the difference. So this could be a, a jumping off point for a guy who's um, who's been a good golfer for a long time, but just hasn't been able to break through. Well, that's what I was just going to follow it up with. Like, how high in the world do you think? Or how great and, and big uh, can Nick Taylor be? Like, uh, was, will this win just open the floodgates? Do you think? Yeah, it's a little early to say. I think um, I, I think that Nick Taylor has always been a top 100 golfer, should have been, and I think he's. If you asked him, he's probably underperformed. So I think something like this could easily go a long way towards, um, you know, towards towards getting him inside the, the say the top 75, top 60. It's it's really kind of how hard and how many breaks and how many times the putts lip in instead of lip, lip out. One of the big things he's got on his goals for this year, he told me this actually. I, I was at a, an event with him just the Monday of Pebble Beach Week, still back in Phoenix where he lives, was that he wanted to make the Olympic team. And, you know, it would take some big moves to do that. Obviously, this is the first step. Corey Connors, I think, is around 61, 63. Adam Hadwin is 53rd in the world ranking, and now Nick's 101st. So he's at least given himself uh, a chance to make that Olympic team, and I think he'll start to press harder and and try to get better results. Uh, maybe not winning all the time, but um, if he can get some good results in there and climb inside that the top 70 or 60, even that he might have a chance to represent Canada in Tokyo in July. And you mentioned uh, Adam Hadwin and uh, Corey Connors there. Who do you think the next Canadian is to win, or or and or some of the uh, up and comers for Canada? You know, I, I get asked that question a lot, and the way I answer it is really, I could make you a case for any one of the Canadians on the PGA Tour right now who could win very easily. Adam Hadwin is an exceptionally talented player um, who's who's sort of dialed in some of the points of his game that were slipping away a little bit, like his putter, which was the key for him in the early going. And I think he worked so hard on the other parts of his game that the putter sort of let him down, but he's got that back right now. Corey Connors from tee to green is as good as anybody on the PGA Tour. He led the PGA Tour last year in greens and regulation. When his putter and his short game um, help him out, <laughs> then he can be very, very good as well. And then you look at uh, you look you go down the list and you look at Roger Sloan or you look at David Hearn, uh, even Michael Gligic, who's a first year player on the PGA Tour. You know those guys all have stories and all have have good um, good background in, in their games. So it just takes that right week when it happens. And I think Nick Taylor hit it on the nail on the head. He said, you know, tee to green guys are pretty good, but it's those guys who have the hot putting weeks that really kind of shine through. So it's, uh, if nothing else, Nick's, Nick's uh, performance has told the other guys that, you know, their next win is, is coming at the next tournament possibly. And it's just so difficult to win on the PGA Tour, as you mentioned. There's just so many great players that any given week, anyone could win or they can miss the cut by one and it looks like they've had a bad tournament, but it's all so yeah. close. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, a, a great career on the PGA tour is, is like 350 starts and two wins. 
you know, that's, that's great when you think about it. You don't, it, it's hard to win on the PGA Tour. And guys like Tiger with uh, up in the 80s, 82, 80, well, he was searching for 83 as we're talking. And then Phil Mickelson with 44. I mean, those are the huge exceptions. Most guys will finish, you know, three, four, two if they're lucky. Uh, I mean, the best Canadian on the PGA Tour is eight wins, right? George Newton and Mike Weir. So, um, you know, one of the other things Nick told me at the start of this year was that his goal was to try and, say, take an average of a quarter shot or round off. And if you can save one shot per tournament, that that's a huge increase in, in paydays. It's, it's like you just said, you know, that goes from missing a cut to making a cut. It goes from 40th place finish to a 25th place finish. Um, and, and those don't sound like much, but they're huge differences when you sort of count things up at the end of the year. Yeah, no question. And and you mentioned Tiger Woods as well, making his second start of 2020 at Riviera, a place we're talking about how it's difficult to win. It's unbelievable. This is a, He's played there 10 times as a professional. He hasn't won. Why is that? It's such a bizarre stat. Yeah, I mean, I think you can you can delve deep into the stats and look at it and you can you can point to different things he pointed in his press conference this week to the fact that he hasn't putted well. It's Poana Greens. They're a little bit bumpy. Um, but I thought J.B. Holmes had the best line where he just said he hasn't shot the lowest score. And I mean, sometimes <laughs> it really is as simple as that. You just get beat. You can play great, but other guys are playing better. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying, you know, to, to win on the PGA Tour at any point is tough. So I think um, I think it's just it's just one of those things where he hasn't had the right luck at uh, and the right game coming all together. Um, when when Riviera's been on the schedule, so um, you know, again, it could happen this week very easily. And what are your expectations for Tiger this year? Like, obviously, if he wins this week at Riviera, it'll be a win eighty three to surpass Sam Snead for the most all time. Obviously, has a set sight still on Jack Nicklaus's major record. What what are realistic expectations? Because um, it seemed like you know Tiger Woods had a pretty good first tournament at Torrey Pines, but you always want more. And that's just the, the nature of Tiger Woods, right? You always want him to win every single tournament. Even in his heyday, that wasn't realistic. What are the actual realistic ex- expectations for him? I think a lot of it depends. It depends on two, well, three things I'll say. One is his health. And this is the first time we've gone into a season in quite a while where we aren't really questioning how his back is, how his knee is, how his shoulder is, if he's had a bad sleep and messed up his neck again. Um, you know, he's, he's fit by all accounts. He's healthy. He's figured out how to swing with the body that he's got now. Um, and he's understanding exactly, you know, what it can and can't do. The second part will just be if he can stay healthy and the schedule that he's going to play. So he doesn't want to play a ton of events. So that means the chances to win are less than, than most other guys. And the the tournaments that he plays are usually big ones on the schedule where the depth of field is very strong this week at, at Riviera, nine of the top 10 players in the world. So it makes it more difficult to win some of those tournaments. And then I, I think the third thing that we have to consider is Tiger really wants to to get onto the Olympic team for the United States. And to do that, you know, his schedule between now and the U S open, when they're going to decide the the four spots could be a little heavier than normal. And he could really be dialed in to try and get a win for those, just for that purpose of getting himself into those top four spots amongst the Americans on the world ranking. Um, So I'm intrigued. I'm I'm kind of bullish on him. I think, I think, you know, you're going to see him win once, perhaps twice, but I think you're going to see him be competitive week in and week out pretty much. Um, I, I'm looking for sort of top 20 finishes and better for, for most of the year. And obviously it's still uh, it's a couple months away to the Masters, the first major in April. Uh, would you say he's like sort of the, your early Masters pick or is it too early to tell? Or 
Yeah, a little early to tell yet. I think I would, if I was to bet today, I would probably put money on Rory McIlroy and maybe maybe Brooks Kepka ahead of Tiger. Um, not take nothing away from the defending champ, but I don't think we've seen a great body of work yet from Tiger, so I don't know exactly where his game is. Certainly he has that huge advantage of knowing how to play that golf course. Uh, I guess he and Mickelson probably better than anybody or anyone else on the PGA Tour. Um, <clears throat> but I'm not sure he's playing the best golf of anyone there. Justin Thomas is another name that, that rises up. So there's a few picks out there, and let, let's face it, we didn't expect him to win last year, but um, he can certainly surprise when it comes to, to Augusta National. And I think that will still be his best chance to win a major championship this year. Yeah, without question, uh, no doubt about that. And speaking of Augusta National, how was it when you played there? Is it your favorite course you've ever played? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I got to play in 2014. I think that was uh, 19 years I'd been in the lottery for the media draw, and uh, it had taken on a life of its own to try and get on there with people had people I didn't even know were, were interested to find out if I'd been drawn finally. I was kind of like the Susan Lucci of the, of the media draw. <laughs> And um, when I finally did get on there, they treat you so well. You get to warm up on the range and you get to use the champion's locker room and they give you a caddy. And I had a really good grouping with people who were kind of a similar similar ability. I'm about a 12 handicap, give or take, depending on the day and the week. I don't know um, that putting you displayed when we played last uh, last year. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. <laughs> well, anyway, it's um, it's um, it's fun to play. And uh, and I got pumped up and, and certainly the experience of walking where you know everybody's been walking I, and and some other guys from tsn who would play before sean cameron and jamie Rydell, they told me they said you know when you when you start walking up 18 maybe even 17 you're going to start to realize this is coming to an end uh. and you're just going to be so sad <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and it is true i mean it was it was an amazing experience um, i hadn't played for four months and i shot 85 and i was wow. i was pretty happy about that round so it's uh it's certainly an exciting place to play and a memory i'll never forget oh man yeah if i ever get a chance to play i'd want to play from the back tees sunday pin positions i'd want augusta <laughs> national to have like and i'd hopefully be a little bit breezy or something and I'd, I'd want the <laughs> craziest conditions and you know i would want to shoot i wouldn't be more more proud to shoot like 150 or something like that you know just well, uh, knowing i faced the toughest of augusta yeah, national yeah. You know, you know what though, when you when you see where the back tees are, you might change yourself. <laughs> we play the member, we play the members tees, and it's about 6,200, 6,300 yards, which is which is good. Um, but like the eleventh tee, when you walk from the tenth green over to the eleventh tee, and you look, you have to look behind you, and it's at least one hundred and twenty yards back there. And just to give you some sort of a perspective, I mean, I don't know, I, I know I don't hit it like Mike Weir, but but I hit my drive on the eleventh hole. And had an eight iron in, and Mike hit his drive on the on that hole on Sunday, or maybe yeah, I think it was Sunday and that year, and and he had uh, he had a hybrid in. So I mean, it's just it just <laughs> goes to show you how difficult these this golf course is, how long it is, especially if you're a, a shorter hitter like Mike. And and the greens, once you get on the greens, you're 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 absolutely, I mean, petrified. <laughs> this thing, I didn't have any, I didn't have any. Um, I didn't have a four putt, but I had three three putts, and I was pretty happy with that. And and just to, to, you know, if you don't have a caddy there, you're absolutely lost because you you just have no way of knowing where this putt's going to go or what you think you see is completely different from what's going on there in a lot of cases. Uh, hidden gem courses in Canada. What uh, do you have a couple that uh, maybe aren't as popular or as known just yet, but that are that are great? Hmm. Well. Let's see. I mean, there's a lot of good hidden gem golf courses, and I always use that term. You know, when you say hidden gem, who's it? You know, it depends on everyone's standards of what hidden is. But, um, but you know, there's some good golf courses in Prince Edward Island, and if if someone's looking for a good value trip, 
you know, Crowbush Cove to me is may not, maybe not be a hidden gem, but it's a really nice gem. Brutonelle on that golf course, on that island, I love. It's a 666 with threes, fours, and fives, which I really love. Um, where else have I played off the top of my head? There's some good course, you know, Big Sky Golf Course in Whistler to me is, a, I really enjoy playing there. Um, it's, it's one of the four Whistler golf courses. The Whistler golf club is a really fun place to play as well. That one is probably doesn't get as much attention as it should. And then, you know, on Cape Breton Island, everyone looks to, uh, Cabot and Cabot links and the lakes is a pretty good golf course as well. It's up kind of near the top of the Island, you know, closer to Sydney and, um, and also of course Highlands links, it's not really a hidden gem, but it's one that if you're going to Cape Breton and you're going to play Cabot, you should stop in. It's a bit of a hike, but, but you should make the drive. And years ago, before I started working at TSN, just for the summer in 05, I worked at the Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. Mm. Oh, man, that place is so I, nice. I, I wish I, I, didn't, I used to play for yeah, free. I didn't, oh. I didn't include that one in my list because I think it's pretty well known. Yeah, yeah. Aside from, aside from my home course at Weston in Toronto and the two Cabot courses, I'd say that's my favorite golf course in Canada, Jasper. I just think it's perfectly designed in the sense that it's not a course where you're going to get beat up. You can go out there. I've had really good rounds there. I've had really crummy rounds there. But I've never walked off 18 not wanting to go right to the first tee and play again. Yeah, and that ninth hole, the par three, is like even when I was playing really, really good golf, I was shooting in the 70s, I would basically automatic double bogey to the 10th tee, and I would take it every single time. For some reason, that one <laughs> vexed me the most. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's some beauties there, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and uh, you were mentioning, of course, that uh, the six threes, fours, and fives. Uh, have you ever played Thundering Waters in my, uh, my boy John Daly's course in Niagara? I haven't actually played there. We we shot a uh, we shot a score golf show back when I was working for them uh, there, and I got to hit some shots on the on the course, but I didn't play there. Um, I've actually heard some fun things about it. I like they have I like that they have kind of a fun atmosphere. They have a cart dressed up like John Daly's <laughs> pants, <laughs> and uh, Niagara is another good spot. You know, people ask where should I go away for the for the guys, the boys' holiday or the girls' holiday golf trip and, and that's a good spot down in Niagara. they got some really good golf down there whirlpool golf course it's a little short but it's Beautiful. an old stanley thompson that's absolutely fantastic but i haven't played that uh, the thundering waters yeah it's 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 great and there were the only thing that i felt weird about it, there was one hole a par four that if you were smart you were to lay up off a tee and i thought i just feel dirty doing this this is a john daly golf <laughs> course and i'm laying up <laughs> off the tee so i refused to do that i said no i'm just ripping a driver i know it makes no sense at all but I'm doing that, so <laughs> it just it didn't f- quite feel right, you know. I agree with you 100. Sometimes you know you only go over these golf courses once. You gotta you gotta take a shot at it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, it's a, it's a really fun time there. Now I said in my intro, uh, not just golf, but curling. Your uh, Scotty Sherman Hearts is this week. Uh, convince me. I'm, I've never actually curled before. I've always wanted to. I'm not a huge curling watcher. What's uh, convince me how awesome this curling is and why should I get so into it? Because uh, everyone loves it, but I just haven't quite fully gotten into it just yet. Well, curling is to, curling to me has has uh, a lot of great things going for it as a television sport. I love it because it it kind of unfolds at a pace where you can you can sort of be distracted a little bit and still keep in, in contact with it. I love it because the the players are mic'd, so you you understand what's going on. A lot of times before, it's like it's like if you could hear the uh, the conversation between the coach and the quarterback as to what play was going to be called before they uh, before they called it and um, or before they executed it, so you know what shots are going to be played. And uh, and I think the fact that the people there, I mean, it's a little less so now, but most of the people who are curling for in the in these big championships are just regular people who have other jobs. You know, I remember 
years ago, I used to write for the Globe and Mail covering curling, and I did a great story about a guy from Prince Edward Island who was a post office. He was a postal delivery man, and, and he was going to the Briar, and for one week, he was kind of a celebrity, and he signed autographs and posed for pictures in the Briar patch, and um, I just kind of like that that kind of notoriety of it. Plus, you know, Canada's the best curling nation in the world, so when you're watching the curling there, it really is the best curling going on, and, and um, it's... Uh, it's it's in a, the Scotties is is a great one as well, and then the Briar right after that, and then you go on to the World Championships. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely something. Like I said, I've never done it. I've always wanted to. I think it would be ridiculously hard. I have all the respect in the world for the curlers because I know it would be so so difficult. I did love the uh, Norwegian uh, curling team. Uh, I don't know if it, do they still wear the loudmouth uh, pants that John Daly wears. <laughs> that team is actually retired now, no. so, but some of the guys who were on the team still have them. But uh, yeah, that was great. I was at the Olympics when they debuted those, and I think I was the only person on the media bench that that year who kind of made the connection between the loudmouth pants and John Daly. And I imagine I actually managed to connect with John Daly and get a quote from him huh. about the pants. And uh, he was actually, he didn't know about it, but he was actually trying to make the, make it to Vancouver to watch one of their games, but it, it actually never came to, to be, but um, yeah, those guys were great. And that's, that's kind of the fun atmosphere I like about, about curling. You know, it's uh, it's one of those deals where you get the, um, you can have a guys guys like that representing your country and wearing loudmouth pants. That doesn't happen very often. The other great the other great story about about curling and this kind of puts into perspective what you were talking about was at the last Olympics when the American team was in the gold medal game. They ended up going on to win the gold medal game, and uh, it was on at a, it was on at an ungodly hour, like two and three in the morning or something. And I remember my phone ringing, and a friend of mine from New Jersey was on the other end, and he said. He said, Bob, you got to help us. And I said, what's that? He says, I'm in a bar in New Jersey and where everybody in here is going crazy. We're watching the gold medal curling game. And I said, okay, what's the problem? He says, well, the Americans, I think are in the lead. And he said, yeah, but what's the problem? He says, nobody knows what's going on. Help us with the rules. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun game, but you're right. A lot of people will watch it and uh, never play it and maybe not even understand the rules, but it does draw huge audiences, which is great for television. Yeah, I used to be vehemently against it for whatever reason, but uh, I actually do appreciate it. It is pretty good. Uh, back to what you were just saying about uh, Daly trying to make it to Vancouver in 2010. For a second there, I thought you were trying to say that John Daly was trying to make like the Olympics in 2010 for oh. curling. And wow, oh my God, that <laughs> that would have been a sight to see. Oh my God. <laughs> no, not quite. But it is amazing how many people I run into in the U.S. or so that think that they can, you know, curling is their gateway to get to the Olympics. They don't realize that people have been playing and training for years to, to do that same thing. Oh, man. Yeah, no. Like I said, it's uh, without question. The, uh, those curlers are extremely talented. Uh, speaking uh, of talented, we'll get you out of here on this. But I was messaging you about Survivor, which uh, uh, you yes. said you enjoy watching. Have you watched all the seasons? Uh, it's premiering. Survivor winners at war tonight. We're recording this on the Wednesday. All winners season 20, uh, 20 contestants. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. I mean, there's some some folks who are missing for obvious reasons. Richard Hatch, the guy who has a has had a few issues, I think, with the law because he didn't pay his taxes on the million dollars that he won. Yeah, he that and very uh, first winner. But I, I liked I liked this idea of putting these people all together because I think it's you know so much a Survivor is all the strategy that happens in the first few um, first few rounds where people just don't get up to pace up to speed on the game and I um, mean I think there's an interesting to see because everybody here has obviously played the game at a high level everybody here has won the game at a, at a great level so um, to see what kind of strategies and how they're going to maneuver I think is great I'm looking uh, you know through the list of names here and they're you know obviously Boston Rob is in there and Sandra Diaz Twine who's the, the two-time winner possibly three-time winner now 
in there and, and then there's some other good ones like uh parvati and uh, i don't know there's <laughs> i think it's going to be really a fun collection to see how they all how they all kind of get themselves together yeah i a freelance write for a, a website sports betting dime they actually had me do an article on and i had to come up with the betting odds for who will win survivor and i had uh, boston rob sandra parvati and tony as the longest odds to win just simply because of the fact that they're massive, massive threats and everyone's going to be basically trying to get rid of them right away, you know? Yeah. And exactly. That's the thing. You can't hide in this one. Everybody knows who you are coming in. And I think I picked like four people, the, I picked Nick, Adam, uh, Michelle and Sophie as the favorites to win. And I told Ooh. some people about this and they sort of were like, who kind of, which, <laughs> and I, I'm like, that's exactly the point because of the fact they're not going to go in the game with huge targets on their back. They might be able to fly under the radar for a while then they might be able to you know, make their moves like they did when they won the game. Well, I, I noticed that Boston Rob and Amber, his wife, who met on Survivor, are on different teams, so that might be interesting to see if they can get through to the merge. They might be able to combine forces, but uh, keep your eye on Ewell Kwan, the guy from Cook Island, season 13. I think he's pretty smart. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really, really good pick. And a couple of the ladies I like are Sarah and Kim, but I didn't pick them as, as favorites to win just simply because of the fact they were such great winners. But again, so many of these people are such great winners, so it's going to be very, very fascinating to see how it all uh, plays out, you know? <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, on the H-Dog pod, uh, Bob. I uh, much appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks, Hound Dog. Good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. <sighs> what an interview. That was great with Bob Weeks. What a legend. Just a super, super great guy and very, very excited to have him on the podcast. He was uh, a lot of fun to talk to about golf curling i really am trying to get into it like i said it's, it's, it's i'm getting there with curling but not still not quite my absolute favorite but like i said if i actually were to do it i'm sure i would love it even more and appreciate even more of the greatness of, uh, of those people uh he picked uh yul kwan which is a great pick for survivor to win i think like i said i think michelle is your winner of the season she's not like i said she's gonna go in there under the radar not many people will know her as much or they won't be gunning for her she might be able to fly under the radar for a few weeks and make some alliances and then go far in the game. Of course, I would love if you know a Sandra or a Boston Rob or a Tony, those types of people, made it far. I would love to see Jeremy as well. Jeremy, I think, actually has a pretty good chance. But any of those people who are just known as great champions, it's going to be a really, really, really huge uphill battle for them. But you never know. Obviously, they're all winners of war. They're all great champions. So we'll see what happens with that. Again, thank you to Bob Weeks for being on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Follow, follow us on the social medias. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Okay, making a phone call to Mr. Weeks. Let's go. Oops. Nope, not him. Nope, I keep doing that. It's not, I'm not going to him. Classic me. Weeks, W, not A in the phone. There we go. Well, that's someone else. Good Lord. Finally. Finally able to make this call. Sheesh.